Hi there. So welcome to Model 5, Audit Planning, that is International Standards on Auditing 300. Now this is a very key important aspect of the advanced audit syllabus and you have to understand that as I mentioned in our introduction, audit planning is fundamental because you cannot start anything or begin with anything without planning your audit. So basically when we talk about planning an audit or what we call audit planning, it simply has to do with the determination or the establishment of general approach and then the strategy of the audit. The audit plan or the audit planning helps the auditor to be able to determine the material misstatement that may be in the financial statement. It also helps the auditor to assign the audit team or the, it helps the audit team to assign the various of identify the various areas that more work has to be done in relation to how the audit work can be carried out. The planning and audit also helps the auditor quote-unquote to be able to understand the entity very well because when you understand the entity very well then you'll be able to uh, audit and prepare your audit reports in an appropriate manner because remember the objective of your audit is to issue an audit report and the audit report that you have to be to have to be issuing will be based on how much work that you have done and how much evidence that you have gathered because we mentioned that evidence must be sufficient and they must be appropriate so to be able to gather sufficient and appropriate audit evidence so that you can issue an uh, audit report you should be able to adequately plan your audit also in this module we'll be discussing issues about the components of audits there are two components of audit planning we have what we mean by the audit plan itself then we also have what we mean or what we call the audit strategy now remember audit planning entails two things it entails the approach that you are going to be using to audit the financial statement and also the uh, general plan of the audit in other words what are you going to do first? What are you going to do second? What are you going to do third? What are you going to do fourth? The strategy has to do with the approach that you are going to use. What kind of procedures you are going to use on assets? What kind of procedures you are going to use on liability? That is what we will be discussing here also. Then we will be also looking at the concept of materiality. I mentioned that in our last or previous models and uh, I spoke about materiality. We will be looking at materiality in detail where we we will talk about preliminary materiality as well as the performance materiality that is the materiality that we set at the start of the audit or whilst planning the audit that is preliminary materiality then also when we begin the work itself that is what we call the performance materiality and we will discuss that concept as well here so if you look at it auditing of financial statements is fundamental and planning plays a key role in the assignment or in the work of the auditor. So let's back in and then let's look at how audit planning adds what it's about or the components and then how it helps the auditor to be able to audit the financial statement so that the auditor can gather sufficient and appropriate audit evidence so that we can issue a reasonable audit report. So when we talk about planning generally, Audit planning involves the establishing of the overall audit strategy 
for the engagement and developing an audit plan. So I've already mentioned that. So it's about designing the audit strategy, the manner, the approach that you're going to use, and then the audit plan itself. That is what it's about. That is why there are two components of audit plan. Now, of audit planning. Now, what is the importance of planning? Let, let me just leave audit uh, uh, a moment and then come to you. Why would you plan? as an individual, why would you decide that I want to plan as to what I want to do, I want to do this, I want to do that, why would you want to plan? Now you want to plan so that you'll be able to decide what to do, when to do it, how to do it. You want to plan so that you will identify the resources you will need to be able to achieve the goal you want to achieve. You want to plan so that you will be able to use your time efficiently and effectively. You want to plan so that you can be what, a productive individual and a productive person. The same thing happens to auditing. When we want to audit, so we have we have advertised, we have been invited, we bidded for the contract, we have been awarded the contract, we have issued an engagement letter, now we need to go and begin the work. So before we start the work, we need to have a roadmap. That roadmap will detail out how we're going to do the audit and then how we are going to gather our evidence and the various things that we are going to be doing. That is what audit planning helps the organization to do. That is the audit plan to do. So let's look at a couple of the um, benefits or the advantages of planning. One, helping the auditor to devote appropriate attention to important areas of the audit. So when you plan your audit, remember you have understood the uh, internal control system of the organization. You understand how the operations of the business is. You understand the industry of the business. You have set some level of materiality at the planning stage. So audit planning helps the audit team to be able to devote appropriate time or enough time to specific key areas of the entire audit engagement. That is the first thing we need to understand. Second is that helping the auditor identify and resolve potential problems on a timely basis. So when you're able to plan your audit as a way that you can synchronize all the major activities, then as and when the audit proceeds, you will be able to identify various areas, various problems, and be able to deal with them as and when they come up. Unlike if you don't plan the audit, you just get up and do this, you do this, you do this, you do that. You will not be able to systematically monitor and identify the problems that you are facing or undertaking in your audit. Third, helping the auditor properly organize and manage the audit engagement so that it is performed in an effective and efficient manner. Remember I told you that one of the things about planning is that it helps you to look at the resources you need so that you can achieve your goal. Remember, in each audit assignment, we want to prepare or undertake a quality audit. So there is going to be what we call a quality control. Quality control means we have the expertise that we need, we have the resources that we need, we have the appropriate time we need. So planning helps the auditor so that they cannot organize, then he can organize and manage the various resources that is required so that the audits can be done effectively and efficiently. The fourth thing is assisting the selection of engagement team members with appropriate levels of capabilities and competence to respond to anticipated risks and the proper assignment of work 
to them. Right. So when you plan your audit, one of the issues of planning is that you'll be able to ask yourself what resources do I need. So when we plan the audit, after understanding the entity, after understanding the uh, the industry that the entity is in. Now we will get into most some of these things later, but after understanding the entity, the industry it is in, the management style, the internal control system, then you will be able to make an anticipation of the areas that risks are likely to be. So once you are able to make those anticipation as the areas that risks are likely to be, then what experts do you need on the other team? So if there is a likelihood that uh, they have, they may have been revaluing their assets. Then that means that we need an expert valuer on the other team. If it is likely that they lease most of their assets, then we need an expert that is going to handle how the lease agreement and how all those lease things on the other team. If the organization is fully automated or about 80% or partly automated, then we need someone who has what IT experts in relation to how we can track transactions in the internal control system or in the computer system so that is what it does it helps the audit firm to be able to select the audit team and the various people who have the expertise to be able to undertake the audit as i mentioned always the audit of a telecommunication company is different from the audit of a financial institution the audit of an educational institute is going to be different from the audit of an ngo so it, that is it. it. So it depends on the industry, it depends on the company, it depends on the internal control system. So planning helps the auditor to select or the audit team to be selected with appropriate capabilities and competences. The next thing is that facilitating the direction and supervision of engagement team members and the review of their work. So once we plan our audit, we know that, okay, Kofi is doing this, Ama is doing this, Ajwa is doing this, Bevelin is doing this. So we know who is doing what, and we know when to start the audit, when to end the audit, then we know when to review the work, then we know when we can issue an audit report. Because remember, probably we have one month to audit, probably we have two months to audit, probably we have three months to audit. So planning helps us so that we can break down the entire period into several milestones so that we can be able to undertake the audit. Remember, reviewing of the audit is a very key aspect that we'll be considering later on in the course. And the final thing we can talk about is assisting where applicable in coordination of work done by auditors of components and experts. We will be doing something called group audits, transnational audits. We will look at that later on. but. If we are dealing with group audits, that is an auditing of the consolidated financial statement of a company, now you know that we're going to have what we call a principal auditor and then we're going to have other auditors. The principal auditor is the audit firm or the audit team that is auditing the financial statement of the parent company. Then also, we're going to look at the uh, auditors or the audit firm that audited all the subsidiaries. Then we are going to now audit the whole group. Now, what you need to understand is that planning of the audit will help us to be able to look at how these various parts of the audit can be undertaken and whether we can trust on the work of the experts in relation to that. So, we'll be getting into this later on, but when we talk about audit planning, these are some of the benefits that the audit firm, the audit team, and then the auditing itself is going to have. 
Remember, the primary objective of um, auditing is to help the auditor to be able to carry out his audit in an effective manner so that he can gather sufficient and appropriate audit evidence. That is the idea. We want to undertake the audit in an efficient and effective manner so that we can gather sufficient appropriate audit evidence. That is why we are planning. That is why we are undertaking all those procedures. Right. Now, let's look at the other things about the objectives. Aside carrying out the audit effectively and efficiently to gather sufficient appropriate audit evidence, planning, as I mentioned earlier, also helps us towards review our work. Now, let's look at a key issue that we're going to be spending most of the time on or the rest of the time on for the module. That is a component of planning. That is, we have the audit strategy and then the audit plan. The audit strategy and the audit plan. Now, what is the difference between a strategy and a plan? Now, in a nutshell, we can say that a strategy has to do with the manner in which you're going to do something. But a plan would have to do with a detailed uh, roadmap on what you want to do. Right, so for instance, if I should put you in the seat and I ask you, uh, as you begin, you began this course and where you are so far, if I should ask you, what is the strategy you're going to use to learn, you're going to say, okay, you're going to come online, watch the lecture videos. After watching the lecture videos, you go back offline and you go through the study materials again. You go through again, you try to solve more questions. That will be your strategy. That will be how you're going to study the subject. But your plan itself will be how you have broken down the entire process so that at the end of the four months you'll be able to finish the syllabus and be well prepared to write the exams and pass so that is the difference between a plan and a strategy plan has to do with the detailed roadmap on the achievement of a goal the achievement of an objective or undertaking of a certain activity but a strategy has to do with the manner the, the approach in which something has to be done or you are going to do the thing. So let's try to distinguish between what is audit plan and what is audit strategy. I've already given you an illustration in that door. Now the audit plan is the detailed procedures you will use in your audit depending on what the strategy is. Right, for example, if you decide the organization is new and doesn't have proper controls in place, you will decide not to rely on any controls and perform only substantive testing. This is an audit strategy. So look at it. You look at the organization based on your audit planning, based on your initial understanding of the firm, you realize that the firm is new so they don't have strong internal control system. If they don't have strong internal control system, we are not going to rely on any of the system. We're going to do a full substantive testing. That is an approach. That is a strategy. That is how you have designed the audit to be undertaken so that you can gather sufficient and appropriate audit evidence. Now let's take these components one after the other and discuss them in, in detail so that we really get what it means to talk about an audit plan and what it means to, when we talk about an audit strategy. So let's look at audit strategy first. So let's look at an audit strategy. An audit strategy relates to the overall approach 
you will take to the audit. It decides the scope of the audit. It includes understanding the entity and the risks it faces, the legal framework it operates in, the financial reporting standards used, among others. So when we talk about the audit strategy, we are talking about what? The overall approach you're going to use for the audit. Now the approach you're going to use on the audit will depend on understanding the entity, understanding the risks it operates uh, its faces, understanding the framework or the financial reporting frameworks that it has, then also even the legal framework it operates in. Banks are re regulated by the Banking Act. So if you are auditing a financial institution or a bank that is licensed by the Bank of Ghana or by the Central Bank, then you need to carry out the audit, taking into consideration whatever acts that has been labeled or that has been issued by the central bank who regulates the activities of the commercial banks. So it is very important for you to be able to understand the scope. Now, when it comes to the audit strategy, there are a couple of elements of the audit strategy. There are a couple of elements in the audit strategy. So let's look at the elements of the audit strategy. The first one has to do with audit scope, the scope of the audit. This refers to the amount of time and documents which are involved in an audit. It is an important factor in all auditing. So this is the amount of time and what? The documents involved in the audit. So that is what we mean by what? The audit scope. So if you are auditing the financial statement of a single entity, for instance, Premium Hub Group Limited, then the scope of the audit is going to be different because you may be able to carry out that audit in it within a month because it's a small company within a month. Then also the documents that you are going to be inspecting in such a company, Premium Hub Limited, it's going to also be few. So because you're just going to audit maybe financial statement, accounting, uh, internal control system, and so the work, the scope, it's going to be less. But if you are auditing a multinational company or let's say a big financial institution like Ecobank, like, like GT Bank, like Societe General Bank. So, like you are auditing this firms, the time involved is going to be a lot. Then the documents you're going to audit is also going to be a lot. Why? Because they have a lot of branches across the country and you have to be able to audit all the documents coming from these branches as well. So when we talk about audit scope, all I want you to understand is that it refers to the timing and the documents involved in the audit. Right, so if it involves the timing and the document involved, it means we can say an audit scope is simply how much work that we need to do. So in a nutshell, we can say that the audit scope will simply describe how much work we need to do. So if we know the documents we need to audit, then it will determine how much work we need to do. If we know the timing of the audit, we will know how much work we need to do. That is what we mean by the audit scope. That is the first element of audit strategy. So the scope of the audit. The second thing has to do with timing. 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 This refers to when to start and end the audit as well as the time of visits. Timing plays a key role because you know that you cannot just get up and say that, okay, they have employed me as the auditor of this firm or they have employed my audit firm to come and audit this firm, so I will just get up and go and audit. No. 
you need to lay out when you want to start the audit, when you want to end the audit, and even when you're going to be visiting the company so that you don't interact with what? The core operations of the organizations. So that is what timing is about. But when we talk about timing, let's take it a little bit further by talking about a couple of issues under timing. First is when to start and when to end the audit. It is very important that the organization or the audit firm concludes on when to start the audit and when to end the audit. For instance, as I always say, if the uh, uh, company or the client's company requires the audited financial statement as part of the requirements to be listed on a major stock exchange market like the Ghana Stock Exchange, then what is going to happen is that we need to start the audit within a certain time and they've given us only one month. That means we have to start the audit at a given time and end on a given time. It means that they have given us a specific time and we need to uh, plan our audit in such a way that we will be able to gather sufficient appropriate audit evidence then we will be able to issue an audit report. But remember, the reason why we should be interested in the time of start and the time of ending, that is the deadline in the audit, is because we have to undertake what? A quality audit, right? So if the time they've given us is limited to the audit team that we have uh, pre-proposed for that as work such as that, then we need to increase the number of the audit team and that will mean that more money will have to be paid for the uh, by the client for us to undertake the audit. So when we talk about timing, first we are talking about the time that we are starting the audit and the time that we are ending the audit because that has a great effect on even how much we are going to charge the client. The next thing about timing is the time to communicate with those charged with governance. Now when we talk about those charged with governance, uh, management and those charged with governance. Management represents the board of directors of the company. Those charged with governance represent the heads of major segments or departments of the company. So the head of the production department includes, it's part of those charged with governance. The head of the finance department is part of that. The head of the human resource department is part of that. The head of the sales and marketing department it's also part of those child regardless. So at the planning stage of the audit, we need to plan when we want to meet with them and when we want to communicate with them so that we can inquire from them, inspect some documents, and undertake our audit procedures so that we can gather sufficient and appropriate audit evidence. But why is this important that we set a time that we're going to meet with, the, uh, with those child regardless? Because we want to communicate with them before starting the audit work in order not to interrupt with the day-to-day -day activities of the organization. So I have already made reference to this in relation to that. Right. So timing has to do with time of start and end. Right. The time we go to start the audits and the time we end the audits. Then the second thing is the time to communicate with those charged with governance. That's it, the time to communicate with those charged with governance. Because you know, when you are carrying out your audits, as and when the audits uh, proceeds, you will be, uh, or progresses, you will be gathering evidences, which you would want to um, obtain management letter, okay, from management so that they can confirm and give you ideas or explanation to maybe a question you want to ask them. 
So at the start of the audit, you have to lay it out when and when you can meet those people, when and when you can talk to them, so that you don't interact with their day-to-day -day activity. Because remember, you are auditing once, uh, probably three months, four months, but the organization has to continue to operate and also make a profit. That is the second thing about timing. So scope has to do with the whole time that is involved and then the document involved. In other words, scope simply says how much work needs to be done. But the timing has to do with when we want to start the audit and when we want to end the audit as well as when we are going to communicate with those charged with governance and even with management. The third thing about the audit strategy has to do with the direction of the audits. Direction of the audits. So first, the scope, the work involved. Second, timing, when to start, when to end, when to communicate. Third is about the direction of the audit. Now, this refers to how we undertake the audit. The direction of the audit will depend on two things. Understanding the clients and then the materiality level. Now, so when we talk about the direction of the audit, we're talking about how we are going to undertake the audits. Now, when we say how we're going to undertake the audit, it could be based on two things. Our understanding of the entity as well as the materiality level that we have set for ourselves. What does that mean? As I mentioned earlier, for instance, if you are auditing a company and the company is new, and you realize that the internal control system are not strong, and so you have to undertake a full substantive testing, that would tell you about the direction of the audit. So that when you get to a stage where you are going to be auditing the internal control system, you know what to do at that point. That is what direction is about. So two things will be discussed under direction. The first thing is understanding of the entity. Now, this is fundamental. Understanding of the clients. Okay? So let's look at the understanding of the clients. Now, according to International Standards on Auditing 315, assessing the risk of material misstatement by understanding the clients, it says that there are five things to do or understand about a client in order to assess the risk of material misstatement. Remember, I told you that the direction of the audit depends on the understanding you have on the uh, clients or of the clients as well as what? The materiality level. Now, according to ISA 315, understanding or assessing the risks of material misstatement by understanding the audit, it says that there are five things we need to understand about a client so that we can easily assess the risks of material misstatement. Because for instance, if you don't understand the industry of the company, if you don't understand the management of the company, if you don't understand the internal control system of the company, if you don't understand the core operations of the company, if you don't understand the risks that such businesses are exposed to inherently in the operations, then you can't set the materiality level. And that will mean that you may not be able to set the direction also of your audit. Right, so let's look at these five things, one after the other. The first thing has to do with the internal control system. I have mentioned this over and over again in relation to our discussion. So the internal control systems, as I mentioned earlier, simply refers to the processes, the procedures, the activities designed and implemented by management and those charged with governance to enable them prepare reliable financial statements. 
So you need to understand the internal control system, how things are done within the organization, how the financial statement is prepared or are prepared in the organization. Because remember, even though we as auditors, we have to audit the financial statements, the financial statement didn't come out of a thin air. The financial statement was prepared because there are laid down procedure, there are laid down processes from which uh, values were uh, concluded and were calculated to prepare the financial statement. So we as auditors, after looking or uh, uh, as part of looking at that financial statement, we need to go back and look at the processes that were used to prepare that financial statement. And we need to understand how the process work so that we can determine the direction of our audit and decide whether we're going to undertake a substantive auditing, a full substantive testing or test of controls or we are going to undertake certain audit procedure or not. That is the first thing about understanding the client. Second is about external factors. These are the factors that are in the environment or the industry of the organization or the client which may cause management to be involved in some fraud or material misstatements. We need to look at the external factors that are within the industry or the environment of the business. The reason is that if we want to understand the client entity well, then we also have to understand the environment or the industry it is operating in. For instance, the first thing there is about competition. Now, if the organization is in a highly competitive industry or a highly competitive uh, environment and their market share is not enough, they would want to still state or make the financial statement or prepare the financial statement in such a way that it will still show that they are making profit. So even though the industry is competitive, they would always want to show to shareholders, to stakeholders that they are doing well. Now, the level of competition within an industry, all other things being equal, may uh, force management to be engaged in some fraud, errors, or to, uh, for the financial statement to have some material misstatements. So if we understand the competition and then the temptations, quote-unquote, that is in the environment, then at a planning stage, we can determine some risks of material misstatement that management is likely to be involved in. Right. So, since management wants to satisfy the shareholders and put the organization in right standing, they may try to overstate the closing inventory, for instance, and this will uh, bring about the risks of what material misstatement. So, there is high competition in the industry. We've sold, but we've not sold much, and we need to make profit. As an organization, we need to show our shareholders that we are doing well. But in so doing, there are various things that the organization can do. Overstating the closing inventory, it will increase the profit, not depreciating the assets at all, or not even charging some expenses at all, so that the profit figure will be huge, to, so that they will say that, oh, we are doing well as a company. I know you will agree with me that some companies pride with the amount of profit they make at the end of the, a certain period, like maybe a quarter, the profit they report, or at the end of the year, the, copy, the profit they report, and they pride about that. So the level of competition within the industry, within the market, within the environment, will force management whether to misbehave or not to misbehave, or whether to be involved in any fraud or error in the financial statement. The second thing is to also understand the laws and regulations that guide the 
financial statements or that guys the industry that their company is in. For instance, if there is uh, going to be a change in legislation or change in regulations that guides businesses in such an industry, then in the future, then what is going to happen is that the organization may have to make provisions according to IAS 37 for such changes or such new legislations which are likely to negatively affect the company or even positively affect the company. So there has to be some provision for different uh, uh, contingent assets and then contingent liabilities. But what is going to happen is that the company may not be willing to uh, take into consideration those changes in the laws and the regulations in the industry. As such, there may be some levels of errors of or material misstatements in the financial statement. So we as auditors must understand the laws and the legal framework within which the company is operating it so that we can predict and say, okay, uh, there is a change in the tax laws. If there is a change in the tax laws, what is the effect that it will have on the business that we are about to audit? Okay, did they make any provision in the financial statement they are prepared for that uh, rule that is about to be released or that regulation that is about to be uh, accepted by parliament or that act that is about to be approved and enacted by parliament? We need to consider that in understanding the entity. Then the last thing in relation to the question of the external factors is about the disclosure and provisions. Now, there may be risks of material misstatement on disclosures of transactions in the financial statement of the client company as well as provisions of the value. Like for instance, I mentioned earlier that issues about related parties. Uh, we need to, the organization is responsible to disclose in the financial statement the related party. Even if they don't have any value, we, we don't receive any money from them or we don't pay any money from them. By just the nature of the relationship, it has to be disclosed. So sometimes the organization is likely not to disclose the related party because probably it's the board chairman's company, probably it's the CEO's company. So we need to be on the lookout as to what kinds of disclosure that a company is likely to dodge or what kinds of provisions that organization is likely not to make in the financial statement so that we will be able to look at the risks of material misstatement and then we can understand the audits, we can understand the client. Once we understand the client, we can determine the direction that the company or that our audit is going to be taken. The third thing about understanding the client is about understanding the company structure and the accounting policy. Now, that's more or less like what we discussed in relation to uh, the direction as a whole, and I've been talking about it. It's about the structure of the client has to do with the management, okay, the branches that it has uh, across the country. For instance, if you are auditing a company that has divisions across the country, maybe they have the northern division, the southern division, and then the, maybe the eastern division, or they have branches in all the 10 regions in Ghana, then you have to be on the lookout for in relation to how the structure of the company is and then the accounting system in relation to all that. Also, if you are dealing with a multinational company, then the structure is going to be different. For instance, they, they are going to have their uh, Europe uh, division, they are going to have their America division, then they are going to have their 
Asia division that they are going to have probably their Africa division. Even when it comes to Africa, they may have the East Africa division, the West Africa division, and then probably the North Africa division. So you as an auditor must understand the structure of the firm, the structure of the firm, and so the accounting standards or policies that are likely to be used in all these things so that you can understand the entity properly, then you can determine the direction of your audit. Now, if you are auditing multinational companies, who, who, which have divisions across uh, various uh, legislation or geographical areas, there is likely that the accounting policies, the accounting or the legal framework is going to be different. If the legal framework is going to be different, then translating of the subsidiary's financial statement into the parent's home country and we as principal auditors of the group financial statement we have to take into consideration the accounting policies across all these countries then we can be able to what, set the direction of the audit so this is a very key aspect in our job as auditors understanding the structure as well as the accounting policies that the company uses the last thing, oh, sorry, the fourth thing has to do with the company's performance measurement. Now, it's very important for us to know how the company measure performance. For instance, if the company measure performance on profits or if bonus is paid to management according to the profit they make, or there is a share-based payments policy that they may have a share appreciation right, SAS, or they may have a share option to become owners of the company, then we would have to look out for uh, the, the financial statement very well because if management is going to be measured based on how much profit they made, maybe shareholders say that, okay, you have to make a profit of, let's say, 30% of the last year's profit. If you're able to achieve that, we will we give you probably 10% of the share appreciation value of the company. So let's say now the company's value, it's let's say $10 million. If you're able to increase the company's value to $17 million as at the year end, you will qualify for 50% of that increment. Then management is likely to be engaged or to prepare financial statement in such a way that there may be a lot of fraud, errors, and then material misstatements in the financial statement so that they can be able to achieve that target and be paid that money as bonus. So we need to understand how the company measures its performance so that we can conclude the issues in relation to whether we can understand the entity very well and then how we are going to audit the financial statements. Then the last thing about the issue about understanding the client is the company's strategy, business plan, and related business risks. Now, you see, every company wants to gain competitive advantage in their respective industries. As such, they would undertake strategies, they will undertake businesses, they will launch new projects, they will launch new projects, uh, products in relation to that. Now, in undertaking of some of these strategies in to get competitive advantage, not all of them are likely to result in profit. So the company is likely to launch a new product and it fails. The company is likely to open a branch and it is not operating well. When that happens, you know, more money is going out and so the profitability of the company is reduced. And then that project that has been launched, much revenue is not coming from that project. Now, the organization or management will not want to show that ah, last year you made a profit of $10 million and this year you are making a profit of 
12 million dollars, sorry, uh, 2 million dollars. Why? Because you launched a project that didn't go well. No, they wouldn't want to report that in the financial statement. So there is a likelihood that a failure of a product that has been launched or a failure of a department that has been launched may lead to material misstatements of the uh, organization's financial statement. So we as auditors must understand the business strategy the business plan and the risks that are associated with it so that we can predict from the beginning what management is likely to be involved in in relation to the preparation and the presentation of the financial statement and then showing to stakeholders that the organization is in a good shape even though it may not be in a good shape. So these are the five things that you need to know as auditors to be able to understand the entity. Now. If you're able to understand the entity, then you can be able to determine the risks of material misstatement. Once you know the risks of material misstatement, then it will tell you the direction of your audit and how you are going to carry out your audit. But the big question is this. The big question is this. How can the auditor assess the risks of material misstatement by understanding the entity? Now, all the five things we spoke about, how can the auditor really know about it how can the auditor know about it now the answer has been provided there so how can the auditor do that the answer is there now so to enable the auditor to assess the risks of material misstatement by understanding the entity the auditor undertakes audit procedures as you know already the first thing is about analytical procedures so the auditor will apply uh, analytical procedures at the planning stage of the audit and then throughout the audit and then also at the end of the audit. Now, analytical procedures, as I mentioned, has to do with um, comparison of the financial statement with the budget, with uh, last year financial statement, and also probably with industrial averages, calculating of ratios and other things. So for instance, if you recorded your revenue in the current year financial statement as $10 million, that is the revenue in the current year financial statement. And in your budget, your revenue was $7 million. And in the last year financial statement, your revenue was eight, sorry, your revenue was $6.5 million. Then we would have to find out what is really going on. Now you are an auditor, you're not a manager. To the management is a good news, but to the auditor, something is smelling here. Because if last year they made a profit of $6.5 million, and in their budget, they included that this year, sorry, if last year they made a revenue of $6.5 million, and they included in their budget that this year they are going to get a revenue of $7 million, and as of the year and they have reported in the financial statement that revenue is $10 million, what happened? What happened? You need to understand what, this is where understanding of the uh, internal control system plays a key role. This is where understanding how management performance is measured plays a key role. This is where understanding the uh, business plan, the strategy of the company and the risks exposed to the company comes in. Now, it could be legitimate that all oh, the revenue has increased like that, but also there could be something smelling in the financial statement. So that is the first thing, analytical procedure, so that you can sort of understand the entity, understand what is really happening, then you can determine or measure the risk of material misstatement. Now, if you look at these figures, this is an increment from the budget by $3 million. That means that the auditor has to pay close attention to the revenue to really find out what is happening. 
So aside doing analytical procedures, the next thing you can undertake is what? Enquiry from management. So you need to inquire from management what really happened during the year. So to be able to understand the entity, one of the people you have to speak to is the management. So you speak to manage management. Okay, what happened during the year? Okay, maybe uh, the country hosted a tournament and so we were able to sell our products. Or maybe we sponsored a program and we were the sole distributors of this product. That is why our sales revenue increased. As at the time we were preparing the budget, we didn't know that we will be awarded the contract to uh, win that or we will be awarded a contract to be the sole distributors of that product. That is why our revenue increased. And you need to also further inquire how legit that excuse or that explanation is. Aside that, you need to inspect some documents. Right, so if there has been a sales of this much, you need to inspect other documents. So you inspect the necessary document that needed to be inspected in relation to the upward increase in the revenue. So for instance, if they said they were awarded a contract and they were the sole distributors, then probably you would have to inspect the contract documents that was signed between the company and then the organizers of the, pro, uh, of the event. And also you need to inspect documents relating to the sales revenue that was generated from that particular uh, event. These are the documents you are going to be inspecting as an auditor. From there, you undertake some observation. Observation has to do with where you look at and see how the processes are being carried out in the organization. And the last thing is you undertake some recalculation and re-performance. Remember, the accounting, sorry, the audit procedure, A-E-I-O-U, will be running through it every time. So you undertake analytical procedure, you inquire from management, you inspect documents, you observe the documents, or you observe the processes and also you need to recalculate and reperform to see if the figures reported are actually what needed to be reported. Now, this is what you must understand when we talk about the first aspect of the direction of the audit, that is understanding of the client.